Thank you, team. Appreciate you guys. So I asked the team to play a song because I remember um, a very specific time in my life where I had faith, but I didn't know if I had faith. And my parents, if you don't know, is the youngest of seven, and they raised us in a Christian home. Um, they were actually missionaries, just awesome parents. But there comes a time in your life where you have to make your faith your own. You have to choose for your faith to be your own. And so I, as I asked them to play a song, it's because this is the place I found myself in. And maybe this is the place some of y'all find yourself in in life. Yeah, I know they believe. Yeah, I know he believes. But I don't know if I believe. And I'm trying to figure this thing called life out, and it's just confusing me. And so that's the position that I found myself in in high school. It's a position I found myself in different times in life where I've had to remind myself, why do I believe? And what I really want us to dive in today is, is how do I make that faith my own? Because maybe you haven't realized it or not, but even if you didn't grow up, you know, I just have understood with more time how much of a blessing it was to grow up in a Christian home. And I know that not everyone got that privilege. But at the end of the day, all of us have to make the same decision regardless of how we were raised or who we were raised by is will I make my faith my own? Is it going to be a faith that I choose? Is it going to be a faith that I want and I decide? And so that's what we really want to dive into today because we're talking about this series of beautiful mess. We're going through these different things that involves the family. And one of the most important things that we must divide is you can be a family loving each other connected, but your faith cannot be dependent on another person. It must be dependent on you and your relationship with God. And so how then do we own our faith? How do we take ownership of our own faith. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit, and I thought about when I was a really little kid, and we went and we traded in our um, red Suburban for a new minivan, new, it was used, new Toyota Sienna minivan. And I, this is like a 2008, I think, so my parents still drive it today. But I remember as a kid, like, I was so fascinated with all the little features. And those features they had at this time, guys, was like nothing compared to cars today. So I was like impressed. I was like, there's storage under the armrest. Or I was like, wow, you can have your own control for AC in the back. Like, those things were blowing my mind. Because at the time, our Suburban had none of that. And so I was just like amazed by what this car had. And, and I remember we pulled out of the lot that day with that new car. And, and it was so cool. But, you know, that, that sense of newness and feeling, it, it obviously weared off. And eventually it was just the family van that got us from A to B. Well, then I remember an even bigger day when I took my permit test at the DMV and I, was, I passed. And I was like, this is awesome, not to pride myself, but I did it the first time, you know. Uh, and I passed the test and I remember getting into that van again that gold minivan and it felt so different right because for the first time I was like I can drive this thing this is kind of cool like I don't know how to drive right now I still got to learn a lot of things but I could drive it if I wanted to and so I started to kind of feel like even though my parents they bought the car even though they owned it I kind of started to feel like a little bit of ownership and then I remember the really big day when I passed my driver's test and actually got my actual license, 
right? I almost didn't pass my driver's test. I almost went over a curb, and that would have been an automatic fail, but I did. And, um, and I remembered then when I got in the car, right? And when I finally realized, like, I no longer have to have my mom sitting next to me to go places. I can go hang out with friends. I can go to work. I can go do things on my own when I want, how I want, And so I started to kind of feel this sense of ownership, but parents, you're still thinking about this. That car's not yours, Noah. Your parents own it, and that was very, very true. While I had a sense of ownership, it was not mine. I did not own it. I was not paying the, you know, insurance. I was not paying for the car. I just got to drive it, right? And so as I got older, I remember the first car I ever owned. It was a purple PT Cruiser, coolest car a, t- a guy could have. I know. I named him Her- I n- named him Harold. I like naming my cars, so maybe we can talk about how what what you've named your cars later today. But um, for the first time, I finally felt full ownership. Not only did I have the ability to drive this, but I actually owned it. The title was in my name. I paid for the insurance, which I soon realized it was a blessing when my parents paid for that insurance, am I right? And so I finally had full ownership of this car. And I finally felt this full freedom and ownership of my life. And so I share this because I think that we are all in a different place in this story in our faith. And a lot of us, if I'm just being honest, a lot of us get caught up in we've got the license, we're driving the car, but it is not ours. It is someone else who owns it, and we're just driving it. Because I realized in my faith and in my life, all the way in high school, that I couldn't keep depending and only leaning on my parents' faith in order for me to have a faith. That my faith eventually had to be made my own. And so we are going to discuss today how to own your faith, how to make your faith your own. Man, because no parent here wants their kid to continue to drive their car for the rest of their life. And in the same way, God does not desire for us as believers to continue to depend and rely on someone else for our own personal faith. And so we're going to talk about how to own our faith And here's the reality, whether spiritual or biological, you've seen someone practice faith around you. And maybe you really took it in because because they meant a lot to you. Maybe it was an uncle, maybe it was an aunt, maybe it was a brother, a sibling, a mom, a dad, or someone in the church. And you saw their faith practice in a way that you said, that's something that I might be interested in. I want to learn more. And for a long time, it's great because you can continue to learn from someone of greater faith. You continue to look up to someone else in their faith, but we cannot and should not continue to stay there. And so this is what I really think we need to dive into the Word of God today, discover, is how do we own our faith? And we need to do this because God does not desire for our lives to be continually be fed by hand from someone else. Our faith should not be fed by, I'm giving myself a free pass here, our faith should not be fed by the quality of this sermon. Our faith should not be fed by the quality of the worship. Our faith should not be fed only by those things. They can be encouraged, they can be built up, but they cannot depend or rely on those things. They must rely on your own faith, on your own relationship with God. And so we need to own our faith in order to understand and experience a deeper and more real relationship with God. 
So we're going to dive in and we're going to discover the three keys to owning your faith today. We're starting in Matthew chapter 10, um, (laughs) verse 34. And I've also learned I say different really weird. So y'all probably already figured that one out by now. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. If you've got a Bible, we'd love for you to open it, but also be on the screen. Here's what it says. Do not suppose, this is Jesus speaking, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And all y'all are like, Noah, we're talking about family right now. What is this about? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy. Worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That verse is saying a lot of stuff right now, but the first thing that stood out to me when I read this passage was it feels so opposite to a lot of the ways we talk about Jesus, right? Like we tend to talk about him as a peacemaker, and he is a peacemaker, he still is a peacemaker. But this verse is sharing a very different correlation that Jesus is trying to share with them right now is that while I come to bring peace there are times that that peace that truth that I have will create division and dissension and if we go back into the time the cultural time of where family mattered the most right like America I know a lot of y'all care about your family so much but can we be honest we don't prioritize it the same way the culture in this time did and a lot of other cultures do And so they prioritized family at such a great level. Family was always first. Mom, dad, wife, kids, first, always. And so as they did that, Jesus knew that he needed to share something with them. And that was, if this gets in the way between our relationship, you are not worthy of me. He's trying to change the focus. Your priority, number one, can no longer be your husband, can no longer be your kids. It must be God. And so he's, he's boldly proclaiming this in a way that kind of can feel a little offensive, but he's sharing. Not everyone's going to like that decision that you're going to make, right? Like how many moms or dads or, or, or brothers or sisters or whoever is going to hate the fact that now you have a new priority and that they are not top priority because if they don't know Jesus, they aren't going to like that. And so he was willing, he was bold enough to share this because he knew it needed to be said. And so in a series about the family, it needs to be said, your number one priority cannot and should not be your family. It must be your relationship and relationship with God, the personal one you have, that has to be priority number one. If it is not, dads, moms, we are not leading our family the way God has designed them. And so we must be bold enough to admit what priority number one needs to be and should be. But it causes tension. And another thing that causes tension in the family, and this is our first key to owning our faith, is we must reveal sin. Nobody likes to hear that, but we must reveal sin. Because here's the thing, God has not moved, right? When we feel distant from God, when we feel like we're not hearing him, when we feel like uh, he's not giving us answers, all of this stuff, it is never because God has moved away from us. He has not given up on us. 
It is because we have slowly put sin in the way of our relationship with God. We have taken a distance from him. We have gotten ourselves further from him because when we sin, we create separation in our relationship with God. And so if there's sin in our lives that we are not choosing to reveal, are there things in our life that we must be bold enough to share so that the change and the weight that is being held on our shoulders right now will be released and that the relationship with God will get closer and we will connect more with him when we reveal sin. And so just in that same way, though, when we come back to the passage, when he's talking about this dissension family, when you admit sin, when you reveal sin, sometimes it will not be received well by your family. Does that mean you made a mistake by sharing it? Not at all. Because God is calling us to be bold regardless of the outcome. Sometimes the right thing doesn't always get the right praise or reward that we wish it would. A lot of times the right thing means consequences. A lot of times the right thing is not always going to feel like the most fun thing, right? And so maybe you have to reveal that sin to your wife. Maybe you have to reveal that sin to your family. Maybe you have to reveal that sin to your brother. Maybe you have to reveal that sin to someone very close to you. And the only thing your brain is consumed with is how it will affect the relationship And what I would say is maybe you're focusing too much on that relationship and not enough on the relationship it is affecting with God. So we are called to reveal our sin because our sin can block our faith. It can block our communication with God. It is what gets in the way and why heaven is so exciting because it will no longer be and we can finally have a perfect relationship with God. But until that day, we must work diligently to reveal our sin and keep it in the place where it is revealed, not in the place where it is hidden. Like when you have a car that is broken, you can't drive it. You have to fix it first. And the only way to fix a car is by finding the problems in it, and then you can fix them. The only way to get closer to God, to grow in our faith, is by first discovering, admitting, and revealing the problems so we can work on them and we can get closer to God. So we must be willing to reveal sin. And I remember this in my own life. One of the most difficult times in my life ever was having to reveal to my parents that I struggled with pornography. And this was in high school, and I remember sharing this to my parents for the first time. I was just a nervous wreck. But I knew God had been prompting my heart. He said, Noah, if you just keep pretending, if you just keep acting like you can handle this on your own, like you can discover how to solve this and no one needs to find out, nobody needs to know, you will not get better. You need other people around you to support you and to help you go through these things, how to overcome these things. And so I went on a journey and I started, I began to reveal the sin in my life. I began to be open about it and I began to be willing to talk about it, right? I'm unashamedly going to share with you if you have questions, if you wanna ask, the sin that I have struggled with in my life because when I reveal it, it doesn't have the same weight to when I hide it and when I keep it secret. And so we are called, if we wanna own our faith, if we wanna make our faith our own, we are called to reveal the sin that is getting in the way. 
So share it with someone who you trust. Share it with someone whom you love, but be bold enough to share it with somebody. But we have to be able to fix the problems if we want the car to ever start again. And the point of this passage, ultimately the point of this passage Jesus is making that we need to continue to understand is if we prioritize our family over our eternal salvation, we have missed the bigger picture. The family is designed to show you the beauty of God. And so if we prioritize our family over God, we are getting it wrong. It doesn't mean that I love my wife less if I prioritize God more. It means I love her more when I have the right order when I've set it in place the way God designed it. And so this is why Jesus says in this passage that he comes with a sword, guys, because we can see how easily this is going to tear apart some families. And I know a lot of y'all have seen it, have experienced how it tears apart your families. I've experienced it in my own life that, you know, I have siblings who are so close to God and continue to inspire me in my faith. And I have siblings who they don't know what they believe or They are far from God and they knowingly are choosing that. And it creates difficult conversations. It creates awkward experiences. But I cannot shy away from owning my faith and revealing the sin to those that I love and care about. So the first key is revealing sin. John chapter four starts in verse 39. Here's what it says. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him, talking about Jesus, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him, Jesus, to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This tells us such an important point in our own faith. It's great to hear testimony from other people. It's encouraging to hear how God has worked in their life, but it cannot be what we depend on. It cannot be what leads us. To continue to follow Jesus Christ, that must come from ourselves, from our own faith. Because I can learn and I can grow from someone else's story. I can even be led to Jesus through someone's testimony. But ultimately, when I make that decision to follow Jesus, it has to be my own. It can't be because they've had great experiences and so I want those experiences. It can't be because they've seen miracles so I want miracles. It can't be because of what someone else has that you want. It must be because you desire your own faith with Jesus, with God. And so owning your faith, our second point, owning your faith means that we must take responsibility. We must take responsibility. Our faith cannot and should not depend on another person, another speaker, or another friend. Our faith should be supported and encouraged by those people, but it cannot depend on those people. It must be dependent, hear this, what it must be dependent on is the written word of God, what we call the Bible. And it must be dependent on your own relationship with God, which you have communication with him through prayer. You can talk to God through the word and through prayer every single day. You can develop your own relationship through those two amazing pieces 
that God has designed for us to have our own faith, our own relationship. And so our, our faith must be dependent on those. It should not be dependent on other people. And here's why. Because you will not see your faith grow if it was never yours in the first place, right? I can learn, I can be encouraged, I can grow from another person's faith, but the second I depend on it, then I don't have my own faith that I am learning and growing and having my own experience with God with because I'm just depending on someone else's faith. I must make my own faith in order to see that faith take action, take place, in order for me to see God work in my own life, it must be my faith, my own, that I take ownership of. This passage reminds us that while the testimony of another is amazing, you must come to a place where you have believed because of what you have heard, because of what you acknowledge to be truth. It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Have you heard for yourself? Have you heard from God, his word, his truth, for yourself that you believe in his salvation, that you accept him? So take responsibility of your own faith. And here's what I think about. This is why this is so important. And honestly, I don't hear a lot of people's telling you to take responsibility in this world. I see a lot of people doing quite the opposite. It's when something goes wrong in my life, I find somebody to blame. When I went through that trial, when I broke my arm, it was because he pushed me. And it might have been because he pushed you. When I go through different things in my life, trials, hardships, it's so easy to find someone to blame, right? It's so easy to make sure that you take the weight off yourself and you're like, it's their fault, it's his fault, it's her fault. They're the reason I'm in this situation. Well, can we just be honest and admit we're all sinners so we're the reason all of this is in the world right now. We're the reason there's sin, we're the reason there's hardship, we're the reason there's trials because when sin entered, the world got messed up. And so we continue to play the blame game rather than to take responsibility. Maybe it's the sin, the sin in my life that I am committing that is causing the hardships and the trials in my life. Maybe it is the sin of this entire world that is causing the pain that we all can experience and face in different times in life. We must be willing to take responsibility of our faith and take responsibility not keep playing the blame game because when you own your faith, you feel responsible to share it and to show it and to be this example of Jesus. Here's what Galatians says, and it won't make any sense, but we're going to dive into it, and so it will. Galatians 5.11, it says, Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Now, let me explain. Paul is writing this to the Galatians, a church in Galatia, and, and, and here's what he's telling them. The early churches in that time continued to say that you needed to do a physical act, which is called circumcision, to be saved. Now, what do we know about Jesus? He said that it is not by works. You cannot work your way into heaven. It is by the grace of God. And that is what Paul has been preaching to everyone 
But Paul has became such a big figure in the early church that these churches that continued to believe that this is how you're saved, they started to lie and make rumors about Paul. They started to share that he was preaching circumcision, that he was preaching works get you to heaven. They started to lie. They started to make rumors. And so Paul is calling them out in his sermon because he's saying, if I'm preaching what they want me to be, then why am I being persecuted? Right, Paul, man, the dude got in jail so many times. He got persecuted so many times. Sometimes I think God put him in jail a lot because that was the only way he was going to write letters or else he would have just kept going and going and going. And so he was persecuted over and over and over again. And, then, and understanding this context, it, it leads us to make more sense of this last verse. It says, in that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. He's saying it hasn't been abolished, that there is this offense of the cross. And what is that? What is that offense of the cross? Well, there's an offensive nature of the cross that we cannot ignore. Because ultimately what the cross did, what it says, is there is one way to heaven. And that one way is not always the way people want it to be, right? And so that one way will be offensive to some who hear it. Because what they're going to hear when it offends them is you cannot keep doing life your way. You must do it God's way. You cannot keep living in your sin. You must reveal it. You cannot keep blaming everyone else in life. You must take ownership and responsibility. And ultimately, what we get from this verse, what we get from this point is we must be, our third point, we must be unashamed of God's truth. Right? God's word is oftentimes offensive because truth hurts. I've had a lot of people who are very close to me whom I love, one of them being my wife, who is willing to call me out. That truth hurts, guys. When she calls me out and tells me that I'm not being a good husband, that I'm not being a good father, it hurts. But I need to hear it. And I trust her and love her enough, and she knows she should communicate that to me so that I get my life in check so to make sure I reprioritize God, so that I make sure that I am willing to take the steps to fix those issues because I don't want to keep leading my family bad or my, or my daughter bad. And so that open communication, that honesty, truth hurts, but it's needed. It is needed. And so we received an inheritance, right? If you have salvation, if you've ever heard of this word we call salvation, it's simply that when you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, it says you will be saved. So that is how you receive salvation. The reason you need salvation is because it says we have all sinned and that sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God. And that sin, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we can receive that free gift, but we have to choose to be unashamed about it. Like when I look at my daughter, I am so unashamed of her, guys. Everyone's going to see at least 10 photos of her. They're probably going to see that video of her playing putt-putt because it was hilarious. She couldn't even hit the ball. And they're going to see all of these different things. I'm going to tell them all these different things because I'm unashamed of my love for my daughter. And in the same way, like why are we oftentimes ashamed of our faith? 
ashamed of our relationship with God? Why are we living out a life where we come to church, where we hear the word, and then we're ashamed of it in our lives? This isn't like a safe space where like this is the only place we should talk about Jesus. No, this is where we should be prompted to go talk about Jesus in the world, in our workplace, at our home, with our family, with everyone. But are we living our lives ashamed of our faith? And I think a lot of it, like I think truthfully a lot of it comes from a good heart. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I think it comes from a heart, good heart because we don't want to offend people. Like we don't want to hurt people, right? We love other people, whether they're saved, whether or not. We just care and love them. But isn't the word of God a little bit offensive? And even more, if I can proclaim the word of God to someone and it isn't offensive to a level, am I even preaching the word of God anymore or just a washed down version? Because ultimately, he is calling us to share his gospel. And I just want you to hear this. It's not our calling to be offensive Christians, but the message we are called to share will be offensive for some. It's not my goal in life to provoke other people. It's not my goal in life as a Christian to always be right, but it is my goal as a Christian to be unashamed about the truth of God and to share it with those that I love and care about. Because if I'm not willing to share truth with people who are close to me that I see every single day, if I'm not willing to share with them that this one thing could change the eternity, do I even care? Do I love the people next to me if I'm not willing to share the most important truth? that has ever changed my life? And so am I living my life unashamed? Am I choosing to be unashamed of the word of God? You're not called to be the one to convict someone of their sin. You're not called to condemn someone of their sin, but you are called to share with them the gospel, the truth that will do all of that work. It's his desire, God's desire for us to live a better life. I wish I could just tell you right now and I wish it would just be received. I know, like, it's not how we work. But God makes the path difficult because he wants you to achieve everything he dreams that you could achieve on this earth and further. But a lot of us, we don't live out what God has for us. We live out what we want for us, and we never reach the full potential we could achieve in our life, the best opportunities we could ever have in our life, the greatest joy we could ever feel in our life because we keep following our ways and keep ignoring God's ways. So it starts with owning our faith. And when you own your faith, you begin to see God work in your life because when you reveal sin, you remove barriers in between you and God. When you take responsibility, you stop making excuses. And when you be unashamed, you are given opportunities to share the gospel because they're right in front of you every single day. You could walk out this door and go to lunch and there's an opportunity to talk about Jesus. But are we living our lives ashamed of that faith? Have we owned it to the place that we choose to be unashamed of that faith? Because faith, it is something that we can learn from others. It is something we can even see from others and hear from others but we have to choose to receive it on our own. On our own. And that's what, that's what I love. That's what I love about Romans 116. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because, 
Here's the reason you don't need to be ashamed of it. It's because the power of God is what brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's not in your words. It's not in your doing that brings people to Christ. It is through his power. But he's using us as messengers. He wants us to share that truth and see the power working in their life. He wants us to be bold enough to share these things with people we love and care about, to share these things who maybe we, we don't love, who maybe anger us, who maybe frustrate us, but ultimately we are called to share the truth. We aren't the ones who get to make the decisions. We aren't the ones who get the power. It is through God that we see lives changed. It is through him that we see hearts changed. But we have to choose to be unashamed of this gospel We have to choose to be unashamed of the truth in our lives. And so I come back to, man, if you're in a place in your life where you feel like, I don't know if I believe. I don't know what I believe. I don't know why I believe. Ask yourself those questions and dive into the word of God and you will find answers. Roll up your sleeves and do the hard work to understand why you believe. Roll up your sleeves and do the hard work to understand why your faith should matter. Because I need to live my faith out in a way that I am unashamed of its truth and what it says. And yes, sometimes it will be offensive, but I would rather it offend someone than them to have never heard the offensive nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would rather it affect a relationship than me continue to have that relationship and never share truth in their life, never give them hope beyond this world. So we have to choose to live our lives out unashamed for God's word. We have to choose to own our faith. And as we do that, man, we are going to see God work in our lives in crazy ways. And it just comes to my mind, but... I got this guy I was investing into and just, just loving on, and it is through the power of God that his life has just been turned upside down. Right, he went from coming on Sunday mornings, like every one of us does, going back to work, never thinking about sharing the word of God to anyone, to God took his life, turned it upside down, and he literally, every single person he interacts with at work, every single person he talked to, it was like a whole week where just every encounter he had, he was given an opportunity to share Jesus to people. He was given an opportunity to share truth with people. And it was amazing to see what happens when the power of God works through you and when you're unashamed of that message. So if we want to see the church like the greater church, if we want to see this nation come back to the church, how are they going to hear about it if we don't tell them? How are they going to know about it if we don't share to them why it matters to us? How are we going to see more and more people fill these seats if we don't go out and do it? And so we got to live our lives out. We got to own our faith. And so I would just challenge you, if you have never owned your faith, maybe now is the time God's prompting you to commit your own self, your own faith to him. Maybe God's calling you to just, just pray for him to shake your life because that might be what you need in order for God to start working through you. So let me just pray for you all. Father God, we are called... We are all called to share your word and your truth. And I would just ask 
that the anxieties, that the fears, that the doubts, that the worries about sharing your truth would just vanish. Because God, there was a time in all of our lives where we didn't know you and then we chose you. And if we have owned our faith, if we have revealed our sin, if we have taken responsibility, and if we have been unashamed, we can truthfully see how you have been working in our lives and through others' lives. But God, a lot of people feel distant from you, and I just pray in your spirit right now that they would recognize and understand that they feel distant because they are distancing themselves from you that they have things in the way, that they have people in the way, that they have issues in the way that they are not revealing, that they are not releasing, that they are not letting go of, that are getting in the way of having a faith, God, a faith of their own, a faith where they can listen to you and hear you and learn from you and love you, God. And so I just pray that we can make our faith our own, God, that we could have bold conversations with people we love, we could have bold conversations with strangers, that we would own our faith and that we would choose to be unashamed about that faith, God. Because it's only through your powerful message that we see lives changed. Your power, your message, God, that says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that that free gift, you can receive it by confessing with your mouth he is Lord, believing in your heart that he rose from the dead, and you will be saved. And so the first step to owning our faith, God, is obviously accepting you into our lives. It's owning our faith. It's taking that first step towards you, God. Lord, you're not asking for us to be perfect when we come to that decision. You're saying, join me and we will work on it. Join me and I will help you through the challenges, the trials, and the sins in life. So I just pray over everyone right now, God, that if they've never received you on their own, God, if they've never accepted you on their own, if they've never made their faith their own, that today could be the turning point in their life. It could be the turning point in their eternity. That they would accept you as their Lord, that they would confess that you are Lord and admit that they have sins that have gotten in the way. Thank you, God, for your life-changing word. And may we as a church continue to lean on the power of your word and not the power of someone else. May we continue to lean on the power that you have, not try and create in our own. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. And may we live it out today and every day. In a wonderful and powerful name, amen.